Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 142, and we have a very exciting announcement to talk about. But before we get there, we are talking about chapters 23 through 25 of The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson, ending part three, I believe. And we are entering part four next week. Paul, how are you? Oh, so good. I'm definitely back from my honeymoon at this point and <laughs> settling back yet. into normal life, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. We've wrapped up part three. Like, I, like I've said almost every week, we're really flying through this book. It's a totally different pace, feels like, from how we've read Stormlight. It feels like we're going at supersonic speeds, which if you're listening and you're seeing we're only covering like three chapters or something, three or four chapters, then you're like, no, you're not. You're crawling. But to me, this has been fast. So I'm excited. I'm also really excited for our announcement once we get to that point. We will announce here shortly. Do you remember Warbreaker when we did 10 chapters an episode? Oh my gosh, you're right. There's 50 chapters in that book, and we did five we did episodes. five episodes, that's right. I think we, we had six episodes. Uh, Ellie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little traumatized by the chapters that we, we've read tonight, but I'm excited to talk about them. We said last episode that it was the, or at least I did, that it was the slowest chapters that we've gotten. And uh, lo and behold, the uh, the exciting ones were were just around the corner. Enough that I was even starting to question, like, Sanderland. Sanderland's territory? Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. Okay, announcement time. Um, we have launched a shop, followingnoadon.shop. It says powered through Shopify. It is an, a print-on-demand shop, so you can order anything you want, uh, and our vendor Printful will print it for you and ship it to you directly, and I don't have to do any of the work. So that's a bonus. Um, but yes, we're really excited about following knowiton.shop. Um, there's a link down in the description for you guys to go to. I'll put it as the, as the description for you audio listeners as well. Um, but we're really excited. I would really uh, encourage you guys to go at least check it out. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff on there, a lot of cool stuff um, that I designed myself. You can tell me how horrible it looks or how awesome it looks, either way. Uh, <laughs> Paul, what is your favorite thing on the shop? So I'm really excited about this. There, there are, like, whenever you all look at this, you're going to be like, wow, there's a lot of things on here. There's a lot of options. Um, what I personally chose is my favorite thing, partly because it was like more of a, a need. I really needed a new mouse pad. I've had the same mouse pad for a long time. Show it. And it served me well. Show it on camera. But oh, it's an old gaming razor mouse pad. It's actually really big. It's like a normal mouse pad. It's not like the ones you it's gonna cover up my my mic here. Uh, but it's a, it's an old gaming mouse pad I got in high school whenever I built my first PC. I won't say how long it's been since I've been out of high school, but it's been way too long to be using the same mouse pad, I believe. Um, and so I got the, the... We have, like, large ones, which have our High Storm uh, official art, like, uh, commissioned artwork, which I think looks beautiful. And it's kind of like a mat that lays under the keyboard and functions as a mouse pad. I was super excited about that. Other things, I really wanted the apron. <laughs> I love cooking, and I kind of wanted a, a following Noadon apron, uh, which I thought was neat, but I think that's probably an unpopular um, choice of, of merchandise, if I had to guess. Elliot? Okay, so first off, like Paul said, there's a ton of stuff on there, which is super cool to see our artwork on various different things. I'm a, I'm a sucker for different kind of mugs. I know that's kind of Paul's thing. He's got the different mugs over there, but you should see my mug cabinet in my house. There's a lot of them in there. So I, I, I need a couple different following note on mugs for the cabinet for sure. But I, I laughed out loud when I got to the page that has a high storm artwork beach towel. That thing <laughs> looked epic. That, that is exactly what I need if I'm going to go on an adventure in Roshar, is a good, sturdy, high-storm beach towel. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Nice. If you guys are browsing and you are looking for something specific that you don't see, please let me know, either in the comment section of the YouTube channel, or you can email us, 
or whatever. If if you can think of it, Shopify probably sells it, and I can design it. So if you are looking for something specific, let me know, and I'll see what I can do. Okay, enough for selling out. Pause real quick, editing Trevor here. One more thing that I forgot to mention. For everybody, for the first two weeks of this shop that's going up, we are doing a discount code for 10% off, and it is SUB1000, That meaning you were here before we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're about to hit that milestone. So S-U-B, all caps, 1,000 for 10% off on the store. Also on Patreon, we're doing a further discount of 15% off. So if you subscribe to Patreon, then you get a further 15% off on top of that. So subscribe to Patreon and go check out our store. Thank you so much. Let's talk about The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Out the Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. All right. Okay. I always think of the little GameCube that. <laughs> and if you hold down and then, uh, R and Z, that's... you get the Donkey Kong. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. There you go. Elliot, Anyways. what did we read about? What did we read about? We read about a, a lot of things in these chapters, chapters 23, 24, and 25, wrapping up part three of Mistborn, the Final Empire. Starts off in chapter 23 with Vin heading to another ball. She does a few things at the ball, the main thing being kind of having a rather long conversation with Ellen about his morals and really kind of trying to challenge the are every is every nobleman a terrible person you know trying vince trying to dig into that has a discussion with ellen about that a little side note uh chan ellen's arch nemesis slash uh, fiance tasks vin with uh, finding out what ellen is reading which we know is a, a dangerous thing. We know Ellen is reading stuff he maybe should not be, at least from a cultural standpoint. Um, let's see. When Vin is talking to Ellen, she makes she makes up this story about helping plantation ska. I think kind of fishing for, you know, is he sympathetic to the ska at all? At the end of the ball, Vin convinces Seized to let her go follow Ellen, and she ends up eavesdropping on basically a conspiracy meeting with uh, Ellen and his friends talking about how they can improve the the empire and what they can do once they take control of their respective houses. Elsier kind of randomly shows up in the middle of that and ends up kind of listening in with uh, with Vin. But then after that, they head back to uh, the shop, I think, back to their kind of uh, den. They have another crew meeting. There's been a lot of those in the book so far where the kind of like the crew gets together and they they powwow on stuff we get another powwow they kind of conclude that all right things are going well enough we need to really start getting into the the final phase of this plan pretty much we end up getting a little bit of backstory on ham we get to learn that he's you know providing for a family and he's funneling his money that he gets back to them to take care of them it was kind of cool to learn about another member of the crew Ham and Vin go visit the garrison, I think just kind of fishing for information, but the information that they get is that a Ska army has attacked the Empire. Yes. And yeah, big, big problem there. Apparently the army, uh, their army, has broken cover and attacked the Empire without direction from Kelsier or the, the crew here. And so Kelsier and Vin sprint the entire way from Luthadel to the battle, like two weeks journey away that they cover in 24 hours, all due to excessive burning of pewter. And they uh, unfortunately, however, get there too late. And by the time they get there, the entire army is pretty much wiped out a few remnants that they're able to kind of gather back up, but uh, not a very happy ending to this set of chapters. Are you expecting this in part three? No, I was very surprised when in chapter, I think it's 24, yeah, end of chapter 24, 
we learned that the army is out and on the offensive. I, I thought that was going to be like third to last chapter of the book. I was very surprised as well. I didn't remember this at all. I, <laughs> I completely forgot that the army exposes itself and gets itself killed. So when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So that was a nice surprise for me. I will say I very much remembered this. However, I think for the wrong reasons. You know, it's it's a horrible deal that this this whole army is fighting and that they're late and all the stuff. But I can't stop focusing on the fact that they ran for 24 hours straight. Yeah. I hate, I mean, I don't mind running. I hate cross-country type running. Like, long-distance running is my worst nightmare. Like, my worst nightmare. I, I do not like it. And so I just, like, feel uncomfortable the whole time just thinking about it. I don't know, maybe my reaction is extreme, but I can't stop thinking about it. I can't. For like hours and hours, an entire day running. Oh my gosh. I, can't, I, I understand the pewter-enhanced stuff. Uh, we'll get into the whole pewter drag thing and stuff later, but the whole thing, I'm just like, I, I can't get past it. I'm like, wow, that sucks for the army, but I just ran for 24 hours, you know? I I was a track and field runner in high school and I related with this really well because when you're running when you're running really hard I used to run the the 400 meter there there be, there comes a moment where you you're kind of just running on adrenaline you you're not really feeling the pain but you have this thought in the back of your head and Vin has this exact moment where you're like man as soon as I stop this is going to really hurt. And then you do stop and it really hurts yeah. and you maybe puke your guts out for a while and it is terrible. But that moment when you're running and you're just like, what am I doing to myself? Vin had that moment. And I was like, Hmm, I've never burned pewter before, but I have felt like that before. I read the 800 and you get to that point while you're still in the race, unfortunately. So yeah, 800 is two laps, and once you get to the, about three quarters away through that second lap, is when you start feeling the pain and the adrenaline has officially worn off. So, uh, I also commiserated with Vin here, and she has this in inner dialogue of saying, <laughs> telling yourself, "This is why I live in cities. I hate the countryside. Like, well, why am I running?" <laughs> and then yeah. her, the rational part of her brain's like, "Shut up! Like, <laughs> just deal with it. You, you can do it." Um, so yes, they run for, I believe it's 18 hours, not 24. So mm. not that impressive. If it's past four minutes, it's too long. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's 18 hours, 24 hours. It's all miserable at some point. All right. We open chapter 23. Vin is at a party and the noblemen are beginning to openly discuss Kelsier's actions across the city. Before now, it was kind of like, "Oh, did you, did you hear about what happened to sort such and such lord?" Kelsier's been going around the city murdering, no, like notable noblemen, notable noblemen, um, <laughs> notable noblemen. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and trying to. You know, stab stab a knife surgically. Now he's kind of just free willying it and going for it. Um, <laughs> free willy. That's yes. a blast from the past. Yes. And sorry. Going... Wait. Can you explain once again why he how he is free willying it? No, <laughs> I won't. And right. <laughs> just stabs whatever noble he can find. And so at this party, Vin and her friends in quotes um are actually like really concerned that there's going to be a, a house war breaking out because none of the these noble houses know that it's this random ska misborn guy going around and murdering them all they think it's other misborn from other houses that are sabotaging each other so they um are under the assumption that none of them are safe and they're all going to move out of the city um, so Kelsier's impact is very visible here. Um, but then the rest of the chapter of 23 is 
a pretty actually tender scene between Vin and Ellen. Uh, Ellen actually gets pretty honest with Vin after she confronts him on something that Dachshund accused him and every other nobleman of. Um, she brings it to Ellen's attention and then they have this pretty heart-to-heart -heart discussion on the state of noblemen, the state of Ska, that type of thing. What did you guys think of uh, the progression of Vin and Ellen's dare I say, relationship at this point based on what he gives her at the end of the chapter. It definitely seems... We're in Vin's head, basically, for all of these scenes. We're, we're not in Ellen's head, which is which is important here. But I'm, I'm very much with Vin here on... It seems like Ellen is not really... He's trying to fight against the system that he's in. He He seems to realize that what is happening is not okay he he doesn't seem necessarily ready to go on a rebellion to overthrow the whole thing but he seems to want to take action that's why he's got his group of friends that they talk towards the end and even in his conversation with Vin he seems very sympathetic i i don't know i think we either have ellen is genuine and really does want to be a good person or is a rather masterful deception yeah it, it is a rather comprehensive intentional deceiving of vin so yeah not sure which i lean towards the i think ellen is genuine i do too maybe a little bit uh maybe a little bit innocent or, or naive perhaps he seems a little bit naive maybe but well-intentioned still think he's a misboy do you think he's a misborn, Paul? Of course. It's obvious from the pages that we've read that he's secretly misborn. So Vin accuses Ellen of some pretty gross stuff that Dachshund has accused all noblemen of, and Vin is like, this can't be true. I need to ask Ellen about this. Um, and it appears that she's, by doing so, pulled up some actually traumatic events in Ellen's past. He He's always had this division between him and his father, and it appears that we've found at least one of the reasons why Ellen does not like his father. Um, so Ellen claims that he's only ever accidentally killed one Ska woman, and he has never uh, caused the death of a Ska woman uh, since then. Um, which seems to win Vin over, and Vin, I would even say, begins to start trusting Ellen fully by the end of this chapter. She's she she's bought in by his story, and they seem to actually have a genuine one-on-one -on -one moment um, at the end or towards the end of this chapter. Not quite the full end, but I I understand how that is impactful to our story. But can we zoom out just a teeny bit? Okay. Just think about that in real life. If you ask someone, oh my goodness, have you ever killed anyone? And they're like, well, <laughs> only once. Only, just once. <laughs> just once. Okay, come on. Just once. You know? Oh, okay. I, okay. I, I, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you would at least be a little on edge and not maybe not instantly become best friends with the person. And I just, I, I think that's kind of crazy. But in the context of the story, obviously it's very different. Right. Um, in how the nobleman and Ska like interact and, and just all the stuff there. But I, I just couldn't stop thinking about the whole time of, Oh, okay. Just once on accident. Okay. That's cool. I still like you, you know, it, anyways. And it, it almost is comical in that sense. Like you're, like you're saying that the absurdity of it perhaps, but I think it, you know, in world, it really is poking hard at or illustrating this either extremely classist or racist, depending on how you want to look at it, or I'm honestly not quite sure if we treat Ska and Nobleman as different races or, or not, but this this thought that is so ingrained in them that the Ska are lesser than the Nobleman, like right. inherently. Right. That the, the simple fact that they are Ska makes them worth less and so 
because that is an underlying assumption here, they have the discussion that they do of like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not a terrible person because I've only done it once. It, you, can, you can only have that discussion in the framework of this whole ska are lesser than noblemen, right. which I think is the core problem here. That, that, I think that's the core problem of this entire thing, which again is one of these things that, that Brandon Sanderson is intentionally leaning into that a lot of other authors might intentionally shy away from, which is putting the the core issue of his story as this division between two races or this dealing with deep-seated cultural racism. Yeah. It's it's difficult stuff to talk about. Yeah, it is. I, I actually like the term you use of deep-seated. Uh, just for how accurate I feel like it is. I think back to one of the earlier scenes we have with Vin at one of these balls. And I think she's talking with Ellen. I don't remember for sure. This may be in more of a group setting. But basically the comment comes up of, what do you think about Ska? And Ellen's like, you know, do you think they have the same intelligence as us? Or things like that. Like, it really shows how... I mean, it's not even like a consideration. It's not even a debate of are Ska valuable or even comprehensible as what's the term I'm looking for? As like comparable to our value as noblemen um, or as non-Ska. Um, like, like it is. It is not just oh, it's like I we don't like Ska. It's oh, we don't acknowledge Ska as even like beings like like it's totally different right um and just how deep-seated that is into everything here that we've seen is kind of crazy so yeah yeah i agree i it's way more extreme than i think than light eyes versus dark eyes in in roshar very quickly i i agree that there, there certainly is that systemic oppression on roshar but it's not near the the level that we yeah. see here yeah, it's. I think of the if you haven't read um, Stormlight at all, it's not really a spoiler to say because it's like the first thing you really are introduced to is that light eyes are noblemen and dark eyes are more of like the peasant working class, right. from my understanding. Yeah. Um, and this is very different because they still understand that they're like human. Right. Here it almost seems like not even acknowledging that Ska are humanoid well, at all. Yeah. like ellen yeah. is surprised that they have feelings that that's yeah, the level yes. of disconnect there is yeah it's like so far removed it's actually insane like it, right. it is absolute insanity then gets a second handkerchief in uh, two chapters two handkerchiefs uh we need a tally i think for for vin's handkerchief um tally this one i think she's a little bit more excited to get than she did last episode uh elliot would you is ellen sincere i think so same thing as i just said he either is sincere or this is part of a grand manipulation of of vin but i i think he's sincere based on on what we've seen he's a little he's a little silly he's a little naive but this is a I don't know. I think it's a genuine token offer to Port Vin. Vin Vin intrigues him. He he doesn't like the system that he's in, and Vin is kind of a, a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. And so that that draws him in. That intrigues him. That's uh, that's attractive to him. That that makes a lot of sense. I I think I still worry that Vin is gonna get maybe a little overwhelmed here or not respond correctly to the handkerchief giving either from her previous interest, uh, Spook, or from Ellen here. I, I can see Vin committing some social faux pas with this whole process, but yeah, I think Ellen's genuinely interested in her. I, I will actually push back on that a little bit. Um, not just to play devil, devil's advocate, but I, I just feel like it is almost unlikely. You're You're right in that... Vin is, like, intriguing to Alan, right? Like, he's very much not interested in the kind of mainstream 
I guess, system. I don't know how to describe that well. He's not interested in, like, the common noble lady, I guess. Vin or, uh, what is it, Lady Renu? Is that her, um, Lady Villette? Lady that's Villette. her, like, uh, that's what she's known as here. Um, she she's doesn't quite fit into the grid of everyone else, and he definitely prefers that. However, I just feel it always feels off to me that he does so. Well, they've talked several times, so it does make sense. But I don't know. I, I just always had a huge red flag about it of like this can't quite be right. Yeah, I the I fully think Ellen is sincere, and it's simply because of the way he talks about her to her to his friends. The he the way he talks about her when she's not in the room shows full sincerity, and I think that's not really him putting up a front for his friends. We've seen him be fairly honest um, about more serious topics than courtship, more like reformation of the final empire to these guys. So he feels like he can be honest with these guys. Which leads me to the next part of this. Ellen retreats with his friends back up to like a study or a library um, in the keep. And Vin and Kelsier go spy on them. Um, and Vin is really encouraged by what she hears them discussing. They are think are thinking and talking very critically of the the Lord Ruler. And Kelsier shows up and um Vin and Kelsier like or Vin's really excited and tells Kelsier, Oh, these guys are trying to overthrow the Lord Ruler. And Kelsier's like, hold on. <laughs> Back up. They are they're just talking philosophically. I don't think they're actually going to do anything. Yeah, definitely a, a difference of reception on this between Vin and Kelsier, which I can totally see it being Vin hearing what she wants to hear. Right. She she wants Ellen to be a good guy. And so if if Ellen is talking negatively about the Lord Ruler to his friends, Vin is naturally going to be very quick to jump on that and say, oh, look, he's a he's a good guy. He's trying to overthrow the system and change this and Kelsier is coming at it from his much more jaded perspective of well no I've I've seen these guys have conversations like this they're not actually going to do it whether they even want to or not and I think Kelsier even still sees it in an even more negative light than that if he's just like ah this is just princelings trying to throw their weight around and plotting the the, the deals they're going to make once they're you know lords so he 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 doesn't even ascribe any positive element to it. Right. But maybe that's a skewed perspective based on Kelsier's drive for revenge and his clear chip on his shoulder where he is, you know, instantly categorizing any nobleman into the dire enemy kill on sight category. Anything else from 23? All right. 24. We go back to the clubs' shop. And they have a little bit of dialogue back and forth. And Spook chimes in to the discussion. And nobody understands what he's saying. And that sparks like a, a humor um, aspect to the group. And they're all genuinely laughing. And Vin has a, a, a stop in his internal dialogue. Or in her internal dialogue. And she says, man, if only my brother had experienced something like this, maybe he wouldn't have been so cynical because in in the whole book, she's she has these whispers in her ear of her brother saying, all oh, these guys are going to betray you. They're just reeling you in to betray you. Everybody's going to betray you. And she is genuinely enjoying her time with the, the crew here and thinks to herself, I just wish Reen had seen a crew like this, I don't think he would have been quite as pessimistic had he been, had he experienced this. And if you take this scene and reflect it back to, I think it's like chapter six, where Vin is in the main dining hall and hears a bunch of laughter coming from the kitchen of all the, the crew that are hanging out in the kitchen with the kitchen staff and they're e eating and drinking. And she has this invisible barrier where she thinks to herself, no, I'm not allowed to go in there. I'm not allowed to hold something precious or enjoy 
camaraderie. That's not for me. And then if you fast forward to this, Finn has arrived, at, at least partially, there of allowing herself to be invested in a group and enjoy the company of other people without some of the fear that she had before. I I tie this to my my investigation or my the right word is my looking out for Vin's journey. I talked about this a, a number of chapters ago back when she went to her first ball. What I'm what I'm incredibly sad about is Vin's lack of self-esteem and self-worth. The fact that Vin doesn't even see herself as someone who's worthy to go and join the crew and, and laugh with them or someone that has any value inherently in herself. And I talked about how I my my greatest hope for this story is that we one day get to see a Vin who realizes that she is worth it, that she has value for no other reason than she is who she is. This right here is a maybe a, a small step on that journey. She's no longer just like instantly taking herself out of the picture. She's she's allowing herself to loosen up a little bit. She's allowing herself to realize I am a member of this crew. I I can contribute to what's going on here. I think she still has a very long way to go. It seems like her her initial thought is always still hide, duck, don't contribute, don't be part of this. You're not, you know, at that level. So we have a long ways to go to get to where I hope we get to see her someday, but maybe baby steps in the right direction. I think you said that really well, Elliot. So I don't have too much to add on top of that, um, but it does just feel like a shifting point. Like yes. the start of the rest of the story, if that makes sense. Up until yeah. here, we've seen, we've known Vin as the like street urchin who is faking belonging who who is either trying to like coming in but still keeping everyone at arm's length or you know the whole faking everything at these balls right like not actually understanding things but being thrust into them and here we kind of see a shift of her having a sense of belonging which is really special to yeah. see and i think it not to drag the thought out too long because i know we got to move on but i think it contrasts itself to or another side of this coin is Lady Valette. It's the persona that that Vin has taken on. I think that her confidence that she's built in herself because of the persona of Lady Valette is not a good step necessarily on this journey. If the worth that she sees in herself is really just the the mask that she's wearing as a noble lady. That's not seeing the true value of her as herself. Right. So I could also see this reaching a point where she has to kind of divorce those two of, hey, I've I've built up confidence as Lady Valette, but is that really me? And I hope she can I hope she can take the next step to realize, no, I'm I'm valuable as me, not valuable because of who I can pretend to be. Seeing that go on the it's it's a bummer because this quiet scene is overshadowed by the big mic drop we get at the end of the chapter and then the whole rest of 25 which is she goes with ham to scout out the garrison um at, at luthadel because he's got some connections with the garrison and they show up and the garrison's like oh well we're about to go because there's a bunch of ska there's a ska army that's attacked a city like you know two weeks march away from here and they're like, well, that's our army. Oopsies. <laughs> so they run back to Kelsier and say they're the, the army's mobilized for whatever reason. And that's what sparks 25. So what did you guys think of this? As we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, I was caught pretty off guard by this. I I thought that Sandra Lanch was yet to come. I thought the big knockdown, drag out, showdown between armies was coming later. Although I think I think Trevor, you may have asked us, and I, I may have answered a long time ago. You you asked like will the plan get get follow, followed through all the way? Will we actually even get to the end of the plan? And I think my answer was no. I think I said no, something is going to happen to throw a wrench in this and we probably won't even get to 
the final phase of the plan. So this is not what I was expecting as far as kind of a wrench in the plan, but this is definitely a wrench in the plan of they got an army. They were getting pretty close to ready. And then all of a sudden the army just jumps the gun of their own volition, which actually I was a little like upset about for a while reading these chapters. You know, I was my immediate re immediate reaction was what the heck why that like how how stupid could you be to just up and go without even talking to kelsey or, or anybody i mean last we saw we left eden in charge of the army yep so i guess eden what are you doing bro does it give a little bit more weight to eden saying how can we lose last episode I'm just thinking about this. Eden is a really interesting character to me because I feel like the only reason that I have a reason to like him is what other people say about him, not him, if okay. that makes sense. It doesn't really explain, please. <laughs> like, like he's he's presented as, like, the leader of, of this whole, like, garrison. Uh, like, whenever we're introduced to him, I guess. Um... Like, that's the only thing we have going for him. Like, we never really see him. Like, we see times with Marsh, with Ham, with Breeze. Like, we, we see a lot more dialogue. I don't really have anything, any dialogue or anything that really makes me like Eden. Maybe that's me being mean and being like, I don't like you until I've seen fun stuff and get to like you. Um, But yeah, basically, I just don't know much about his character, either other than what we've been told he's done or is doing. Reminds me, was he at the, he's at the original meeting, right? Where they're talking about the army needs to be secret. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, Yeadon's bad attitude is one of the problems they have to solve. On yes. The, the yes. Whiteboard. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, so the explanation we get in this chapter is Eden claimed the army needed battle experience. And so that's why they attacked this town and they lose horribly. But even if they had won, Eden knows that they're now useless. So why? I, I'm not I'm not sold on the reason there because Eden gets himself killed here. Um, but that aside, he was at the meeting where it was said the army needs to be super secret. Yeah, my liking of Eden dropped drastically after reading these chapters. I I actually follow what you were saying, Paul. I kind of liked him before. He seemed like the, the plucky stand up and lead the people in this, you know, noble rebellion. He seemed a little, I don't know, not the brightest guy in the room, perhaps, but at least he was there trying, ready to to do the right thing. And then to go and do something just so obviously stupid, it I think it ties back to, I picked up on the fact that it ties back to what we were talking about last episode, which was the, the inspiration that Kelsier gave the army, the kind of like proof that they were supported by magical powers coming from him and how Eden kind of jumped on that bandwagon and was like, whoa, you didn't, why did you tell us about this? We're, we're invincible now. My reaction to that at the time was like, hang on a second, bro. All you saw was one little duel. Don't go jump into conclusions here. Apparently he jumped to all the conclusions and was like, we're invincible. Let's go. I'm not even waiting for orders. We're going to take over the world now. Right. I, I'm just smacking my forehead over here like you you moron. Even if, the, even if all of that is true, even if you are invincible, you're ruining the whole plan. Like Even if you succeeded, you, you've just completely derailed the entire thing that you've spent years trying to prepare for. It is a, it is a very unintelligent move. Elliot, I have a clip of you saying that everyone in the room at the first meeting will survive the end of book one. Did I say that? Wrong. <laughs> yeah, lost that one already. I don't know if, I don't know if Eden quite counts as the crew. Like... He, if there was one person to be excluded, it would certainly be he would be the first one um, because mm -hmm. he's like the employer as opposed to part of the crew. So maybe yeah. you're still 
tenuously holding on to that, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I did say specifically everyone in the room, didn't I? You did? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. What mildly bugs me about it, and this is kind of going off of the point I made earlier and what Elliot was saying, is I feel like you make an assumption about Yeadon since you don't see a lot from him. Right. Thus far, you make an assumption that he is in his position for a reason, <laughs> and then he's he just does this and does, and it's like, oh, I guess not. I guess not. And you kind of move on. I don't really know what to make of his character fully. I I even had a brief moment. I'm I'm right there too. I'm like my my respect for Eden has completely dropped. My like reaction to well, what purpose was that character serving? You know, completely questions flying out there. I was even feeling stuff at the end of this chapter, like, well, what is the rest of this book going to be about? <laughs> we just we just blew the entire plan. We needed this army. We weren't going to get anywhere without it. What? That there's still there's still 150 pages, 200 pages left. What are they going to do? I would say that that is a successful writing. Then, if you were asking that question, that would that would and be I, the purpose of a Sandra Lanch, I believe. I I suppose the the direct answer to my facetious question is also very obvious and takes the form of of four letters, R A F O. Yes. Wow. Haven't heard that in a minute. They, uh, there's one silver lining here, and it is the garrison has mobilized anyway and is looking for stragglers. So the Luthadel garrison is out on the countryside um, and not in the city. That's the only silver lining we get at the end of 25 here. Um, oh, there's another one where Vin and Kelsier go visit the caves and it turns out there was like a pretty like notable schism between two separate factions there where there was Eden, who's obviously the general of the army. And then there's Captain Demu, who leads like a mutiny, basically, and says, no, we're not going to go fight. Like, I feel like that's a big deal. And it's kind of just skipped over that, oh, some of the army didn't go because they didn't really feel like it or they didn't believe in it or what like that's a big deal when like in an army structure you work as a unit um and so captain demu and what do they say 2000 or so um of the soldiers are left in the cave um out of the 7000 that were there um certainly not enough for what um kelsier needs them for and also now that they've exposed themselves um the 2,000 that they saved aren't going to be functional anyway. Kelsier says that they're just going to disperse them back into Luthadel, and that's it. That's all they're going to do with uh, those 2,000 that they saved. So that's how we end 25. Any any more thoughts? I, I guess a few other thoughts. We, we kind of talked about it at the beginning, actually, with the whole pewter drag and the, the run that mm -hmm. Finn and Kelsier make to try and get to the battlefield. We talked about, you know, the feelings you get when you run really hard like that but this this whole scene was very i i don't know hard to read in a way what well written hard to read because it was well written i was i was feeling the emotion that vin was feeling as she was running i was i was worried i was starting to like cringe my face was starting to like scrunch up as i'm reading this i'm like oh this is a cool magical ability to be able to like all out sprint, maybe even faster than all out sprint for 18 hours straight. Like that on the surface is like, dude, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. I, in some senses, I would love to be able to do that. If I could just run nonstop, like that sounds like fun in a lot of ways. But then your second thought immediately after that is, is on to the, what is the cost of this? Yeah. What is, what is the, the physical toll that this, is going to take on her. I, I even started to think of like, what are the chemical costs of yeah. this? What yeah. are the like, what is this going to do to her body? Like chemically, we, we've talked before about how overburning your metal 
as an allomancer can be dangerous. And I'm I'm starting to get some senses. I'm starting to get some references. Even the term pewter drag starts to make me think like drug addiction. Yeah. You know, maybe not full on drug addiction, but like, is Vin going to do damage to her body because of this? Is, is Vin going to perhaps build up an unhealthy reliance on pewter by doing this kind of thing? Like, is that the kind of thing we might start talking about when it comes to allomancy? Kelsey's mentioned it multiple times, right? That you need to make sure you don't depend on tin and pewter specifically. I think so. So I, this was, this was a difficult chapter to read for the like implied cost of what they're doing. And it was, it was impressively written in that I was feeling all of that as I read it, that I was relating with Vin on a physical and emotional level, just watching her run across the continent. Anything else for 25 before a brief stormlight stuff? Just a theme for the entirety of part three, if you're ready for that. Ah, yes, we did end part three. Go ahead. This is the end of part three, and I feel like all of my themes for this book have been kind of depressing. <laughs> a lot of my themes for, for Stormlight were a little more positive. I feel like all of these ones are like, man, I look back over these chapters and so many kind of negative themes. Um, and my, my theme for this part three, did you have a thought there, Paul? Well, I was just saying this book is kind of depressing in a lot of ways. So yeah, so I don't blame you. Despair is, is definitely darker. Is that your is that your theme? It is not my theme. Although I'm really hoping that's not going to be my theme for like for part five or like the <laughs> end of the book. Is that yeah. you know, if I look back over my themes, that could be the common thread. Um, same same letter it starts with, but I went with deception okay. as my theme for this part because we really get into the. You know, Vin actively deceiving with her role as Lady Valette. We saw, as we just talked about a bunch, the 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 scene where Kelsier is lying to the army about their their powers. We we just seem to be having a, I don't know. We seem to kind of dig into this whole: is it okay to manipulate? Is it okay to tell people a story that's not reality? And that kind of draws on some stuff that we're before part three, but it seemed like that that theme was really coming to the front in this this part three. Sounds good. All right. I only have one thing for Stormlight stuff. If you haven't read the Stormlight Archive or other things that the podcast has read, I advise that you detune thyself. Okay. Um, <laughs> is there a physical cost to Stormlight? We, we just had an entire chapter talking about what you're saying the chemic what what it would chemically require your body to produce to do that doesn't stormlight just instantly heal anything that you try to push on yourself that's my understanding of it that was my first thought when you asked that question is 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 like it is like a healing agent stormlight seems to be a healing agent even if you're not surge binding right like absorbing stormlight seems to heal you passively I feel like this is a quiz question that I'm not fully prepared for. I feel like we talked about this as we were reading some Stormlight. You know, we talked about hard and soft magic systems. We talked about, you know, everything needing to have a cost. I think you told us that Brandon specifically says that, that he he prefers magic systems where there's some kind of a cost. If there's if there's not, then it just becomes, you know, gods and and people. I I I think Stormlight's Stormlight doesn't seem to necessarily have a, a physical cost associated with it. It it is the cost. It right. is the resource. You have to have it, and you use it up. Right. It goes away, but it's, I mean, in in a way, not so different from Alamancy here in that you know Vin has to have pewter in order to do what she's doing. She's spending pewter, which I'm still kind of inferring that somehow the investiture is in the metal i guess the difference here is there seems to be a there seems to be side effects there seems to be side effects potentially of allomancy that maybe stormlight void light those sorts of things don't have 
Maybe that's why the ghost bloods want it so bad. That's what I was gonna ask the second time, or the, once you're done there, is I wonder if that what's is what gives it back. There's no side effect. Maybe. Because I mean in the brief discussion of Barrack Command that we have it, there is a side of like a specific side effect. You have to store what you're pulling from. You like you have to yeah. be weak in order to store strength. You have to you know that type of thing. That I don't know if I lump that in the same category, though, because Ferrochemy, it specifically talks about you don't use up the metal. The right. metal is just the what's what's holding. It's just the vessel. And basically what you're doing is you're taking your energy, pre-storing it so that you can use it later. Right. The the cost there, the, the currency of Ferrochemy is your own energy, which doesn't seem to break any any laws there doesn't seem to be in my mind any actual like side effects there necessarily you're just spending yourself as you fare chem wise <laughs> whatever the verb is could you could you not argue the same thing for isn't allomancy the same thing that your body is the limitation oh. to allomancy I mean, there's limitations I... on how much metal you have, if you want to look at it like that. Like, it is a resource you're using up. Elliot's argument is, like, I mean, a copper mine or whatever, right? Could, like, is there a limit to how much it can hold? I don't know. And you store things forever? Like, I, I feel like that's almost uh, one yeah. of the questions we kind of have, right? Like, is you just can store strength in it, whereas a metal you're, like, literally burning up like you're you utilizing it and it is going away yeah i try to think about it as you know what are you what are you spending like you just said Paul, what are, what is what is going away as you're doing the magic you know when when kaladin is is flying across roshar if he runs out of stormlight he's done he's spent it all he can't go any further right as vin runs across scadriel she's spending pewter if she runs out of pewter she's in trouble when you're ferrochemizing what you run out of is ferrochemizing whatever it is when you're doing that thing that Seizez does the stuff you run out of is your own energy or your own thoughts that you stored up before now I'm also going off of very little knowledge of Ferrochemy and all this, I was this, gonna so I say, realize if I'm wrong, you guys can't correct me. I was going to say, <laughs> but I think this might come down to a knowledge definition distinction, and we should just hold this discussion another day. Yeah, probably. Until next week, right? Maybe. Anything else for 142, gentlemen? Not here. Good stuff. Part 4 of the Final Empire next week. We launched the shop. Go check it out. Thank you. Bye-bye. We did, yeah. Do that. Bye. Bye-bye.